Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. You know that we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, lift your Bibles up for me and let's say this confession. The Bible can be your phone. It can be your iPad. It can be old school. Let's flip the pages because we got it from Barnes and Nobles. It don't matter for me. Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. Woo. Yes, 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 ma'am. Yes, sir. Loved ones, I'm going to start you off with a really quick Smith story. And I want you to know that for this Smith story, I have actually an image for you because you have to see the image to kind of get it. Because if I were to just explain it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hit you the same, but it wouldn't it wouldn't even be as, as funny. But this one's funny. At least it was funny to me. Watch this. Watch this image, because we recently went to Georgia to visit our children before they went off to upstate New York. And while we were there, just to give you some setup, while we were there, we had this instance where they're packing and they have boxes everywhere and they had this one kind of sizable box and three grandchildren, two older ones are girls and the young ones a little baby boy about one year, one year old. Here they are making the decision because, you know, stuff is packed up. So kids got to find a way to play. So they get like dolls and teddy bears and stuff and they decide they're going to have a puppet show. And to have the puppet show, what do you do? You hide behind the box and just let the toy be up. And you kind of talk for the toy, you know, kind of kind of doing that kind of thing. Well, you got it ready for me? The, the, the one, the, yeah, the, the one that, that, the blue. Yeah, yeah, okay. So they got it, they got it there, and, and they're doing his thing. And now my youngest son, Eric, He's getting ready to do it. So he gets behind the box and he takes his toy and he puts it up there. And the oldest granddaughter is going to do the introduction. And she says, okay, everybody, here comes Uncle Eric getting ready to do his puppet show. Please give him a ram for the claws, for the cause. And so we're pausing. And we say, a ram for the cause. Baby, I think you mean a round of applause. <laughs> and she started laughing so hard, she couldn't even stand up. All of us were laughing. I mean, my grandbaby was doing all this. She was like, Everybody, please put your hands together for Uncle Eric and his puppet show and give him a ram for the cause. That's my grandbaby. I told her I had to, I had to share that one. Uh, Abraham would have said that. <laughs> 
Isaac would have said that for sure. God, get a ram for the cause. Because my daddy crazy. Oh. All right, family. As you know, our series, as it says up there, is Contend. And we're going to lead off with our key scripture, which is in the book of Jude. Jude has one chapter. So Jude 1, talking about contending for the faith, starting in verse 3, or really only reading verse 3 in the King James Version, it says this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The easy to read version, just to give us some context of what contend means, says this. Dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you about the salvation we all share together. But I felt the need to write to you about something else. I want to encourage you to fight hard for the faith. There's our connect connection that God gave his holy people. God gave this faith once and it is good for all time. Family. Let's get into this now, this next image I'm going to show you. I want you to realize that for those of you who have been following the series here in Westy Chapel, we have been talking about contenders. As a matter of fact, we've gone as far as to say, I have a question that I want you to ponder. And the question I want you to ponder, and I've been asking you to ponder this for weeks now, is whether or not you are a real contender. I've asked you to examine that for yourself. To that end, what did we do? We said, we have two types of contenders walking around here. We have contenders who expect to win. We also have contenders who expect to lose. At some point in time, we whittled that down to where we started saying, as far as contenders who expect to win, we want you to call those folks real contenders. Here's what, I've, what, I, what I feel, though. I feel that we have provided enough information, enough material for you to already have noticed what your contender status is. Going forward, because I, I, I feel that way, we are no longer going to be purposefully trying to make a distinction between contenders who expect to win or real contenders and contenders who expect to lose. We're going to go ahead and drop off of that contender who expects to lose line, and we're just going to talk about contender. The assumption is that who I'm talking to now are just contenders. I'm, not, I'm no longer talking to people who don't know whether they are. I'm not talking to people who kind of think they might be. I'm talking to people, I'm teaching the people who know they are contenders. Because I believe that after all those sessions and after Minister Ashley has taught and have Pastor Shalita has taught and all the stuff week after week after week, if it was really in your heart to be a contender, you would have already made steps to be one by now. That being the case, assuming going forward that we're just talking to contenders, let's now talk about the events that can transpire in the day of the life of a contender. And we do so by starting in Acts 16 with the life events or a few life events of Paul and Silas. For this, we're going to be in the Message Bible. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to rest here outside of just one jump out in the book of John. We're going to go through Acts 16 today. Why do I tell you that that way? Because what I want you to do is after today, I want you to crack open Acts 16. We're just going to do it out of the Message Bible. But, you know, I like you to read it out of a bunch of versions. Hit it in the King James. Hit it in the easy to read. Hit it in the voice. Hit it, hit it in the Amplified Classic. Whatever you got to do, just rehearse this because as a contender, a day in the life of a contender, get ready to see a snapshot of what it could be. Here we go. Verse one, 
Paul came first to Derby and then Lystra. He found a disciple there by the name of Timothy. Now, this first three verses just says how he met Timothy for the most part. Timothy, he finds to be a pretty good old boy. He's got a good mama, got a good daddy. He says, you know what? I want to mentor this good man. So nothing much there. But I will say this. As a man, I take extra special note that he says in verse 3, Paul wanted to recruit him for their mission. But first, he took him aside and, aside and circumcised him. Now, Paul, I got on pants. Because he circumcised him. Why? Because he wouldn't want to offend the Jews who lived in those parts. If I'm Timothy, I say, how do they know whether or not I'm circumcised or not? I'm just this is just a side conversation between me and you as a dude. The moment Paul tells me that I'm like, OK, bro, let's pray about this. Because, you know. I'm sporting my Levi's and they wouldn't know. But let's go ahead and skip there. Let's go into verse four. I, 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 I diverge there. Verse four. As they traveled from town to town, they presented the simple guidelines the Jerusalem, Jerusalem apostles and leaders had come up with. That turned out to be most helpful. Day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size. You know, as you read that, this seems like this is a pretty good day. And as a contender, you can have days like that. Days where you kind of look back on the actions you've taken, you look back on the works of your hands, you look back on the things that you've done, and you say to yourself, doggone it, this, is, this, is, this has been a good day. It's the kind of day that makes you smile on the inside and Doggone it, it just makes you smile both inside and out. A contender can have those kind of days, you know. Next one. They went to, and they have a whole bunch of names here. Why they name cities this way, I have no idea. I don't know what kind of English this is. I know they say it's probably, you know, Greek or something like that. But they, this is supposed to be English. But they challenge your brother with these names. But let's go for it. They went to Phrygra, Gia. We know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just say it like I feel it. And you go back and read it for yourself. Because I ain't going to be breaking up my, my language trying to get them just right. So I'm going to catch the first couple of letters. And I'm going to say something. And you just got to know. You just got to look at it for yourself if it don't sound right. Let's go. They went to Phrygra. And then through... The, the region, Galatia, their plan was to turn west into Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. Notice I highlighted that there. So they went to Mysia and tried to go through Bithynia, but the spirit of the Jews wouldn't let them go there. But the, the spirit of Jesus, thank you, the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Proceeding through Mysia, they went down to the seaport Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian man, a Macedonian stood on the far, on the far shore, stop laughing, and crossed across the sea. <laughs> Come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. He went through the work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. He knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Why read all this and why highlighting like this? Because I want you to observe something here. These men's footsteps are being ordered by the Holy Spirit. Notice. They try to go to one place, but it says the Holy Spirit blocked that route. They then begin to try to do something else. And they said, Jesus say, uh-uh, we ain't going this way. Can't go that way either. By the time they're done, they say, taking the first five words out of that last sentence, they say that they are sure. They are sure what? They are sure that they are getting ready to do what God told them to do. They are sure they're ready to go where God told them to go. They're going to be in his perfect will. I want you to log that in your head for now. I want you to put that in the back of your cranium in that place where you put your favorite meal. Hold on to it. 
because we're going to come back to that very fact very soon. Go to the next one. Putting out for the harbor of Troas, we made a straight run for Samothras. The next day, we tied up at New City and walked from there to Philippi, the main city in that part of Macedonia, and even more importantly, a Roman colony. We lingered there several days. We read this part just to highlight, guess what? They have reached the destination that they were aiming for. Next one. Acts 16 has 40 verses. We're now in verses 13 through 15. Here we go. On the Sabbath, we left the city and went down along the river where they had heard there was to be a prayer meeting. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. One woman, Lydia, was from Tharathra and a leader and a dealer in expensive textiles known to be a God-fearing woman. She listened with intensity to what was being said. The master gave her a trusting heart and she believed. After she was baptized, along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm in this with you and believe in the master truly, come home with me and be my guest. We hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. I want you to notice that when we read through this, it looks like this has been another good day. As a contender, what they've done is they've talked through to some folks. They've identified a person in a crowd, this woman who is a God fearing woman. And guess what? Doggone it. She believes she got baptized, not just her, but everybody in her doggone house baptized. I think we can say that this is setting up to be another good day. But these men, these contenders need to enjoy this day. Because the tide is getting ready to shift emotionally. Next one. One day on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic and with her fortune telling made a lot of money. Say a lot of money, a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, these men are working for the most high God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. She did this for a number of days until until Paul finally fed up with her, turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her out in the name of Jesus Christ. Get out of her. And it was done just like that. As they were walking around, here's this, this girl, this woman, going around saying these things. And Paul eventually gets tired of her antics. And he casts that, suppress, that suppressing spirit out of her. As you're going about your day as a contender, there are times where the devil will be, quote, unquote, busy. As a contender going about your day, there reaches a time where you get tired of the devil foolishness and not just get tired. You do something about it. You make the decision that it is no longer OK for the devil to maintain his hold or influence over whatever area of the world he is trying to affect. And you make a decision that you're going to do something about it. You make a determination that you are going to insert yourself and assert your authority as a kingdom citizen and stop letting him deal with things the way he's dealing with things. Contender. You can't stand up in front of everybody at the church and say and proclaim and shout about the fact that. I don't like the way the devil is influencing our young people and then don't do nothing about it. You can't stand up there and say, I don't like the way the devil has attacked the institution of marriage and then don't do nothing about it. 
You can't sit there and say, I don't like how the devil is taking over the area of the media and television and movies and everything and then don't do nothing about it. As you go through your day as a contender, at some point in time, you look at the devil's foolishness and you say no more. Here is Paul having to deal with this foolishness until until he finally got fed up enough to assert himself and make sure he put an end to whatever is trying to affect the progression of the gospel. The Bible says he got fed up. In other words, he said, enough of this. The greater one lives on the inside of me. Let me go ahead and put an end to this mess. Next one. Oh, my, my, my. I'm going to put butt in there. But when her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas, roughed them up and dragged them into the market square. Now, I told you before that it seems like when they were talking about that whole lady's family getting baptized and saved and everything that they had. It was setting up to be another good day and that they should enjoy that day. Well, doggone it is getting ready to change. It's already shifting because right now this is setting up to be a seemingly bad day. Let's take it through this time. When her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas, roughed them up and dragged them into the market square. Then the police arrested them and pulled them into the into a court with accusation. These men are disturbing the peace, dangerous Jewish agitators subver subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had had turned into a restless mob out for blood. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so there, so there would be no chance of escape. He did just that, threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped leg irons on them. That's a lot of agitation. Loved ones, all of this worldly agitation began when Paul's action, actions had a substantive effect on the world. In this case, it had a financial effect. What Paul did through the authority God had given him was mess up their business and they noticed that suddenly their money was funny. When the truth, when the position of truth begins to make a real substantive impact on the world, especially when that truth begins to cut off the flow of the devil's money, social influence, or spiritual influence, you can expect the devil to retaliate. When you go about your day as a contender and you start doing things that really begin to affect the world that we live in, you need to expect the devil to retaliate. Why? Because money for him is power for him. Money for him gets him entry into a lot of things. Social influence is power for him. Spiritual influence, power for him. Whenever you assert yourself as a child of the king, expect the devil to retaliate. When you go about doing your God-given assignment or your God-given vision, and that vision 
prompts husbands and wives to submit their marriages to God and prompts them to begin to love each other the way God says love each other and prompts them to live in harmony, you know what you can expect? You can expect the devil to retaliate. Why? Because he don't like that. Because there is money in divorce. There's money in dysfunction. There is money in breaking the family up. There is social influence in dysfunction. There is social influence in breaking that family up. There is spiritual influence in breaking that family up. There is spiritual influence in putting mama over there and daddy over there and getting the child caught in the middle. There is spiritual influence, social influence on all of that. Every time your vision, your God-given assignment pushes against that, you can expect him to retaliate. Why? Because the devil don't like that. When your God-given assignment or your God-given vision causes you to prompt those women to stop walking the street, prompt them to get off of that stripper pole, guess what? You can expect the devil to retaliate. Why? Because it's money in that girl being on the street. It's money in that girl being on that stripper pole. It's social influence with that girl being on that pole. It's spiritual influence with that girl being on that pole. It's social influence with her walking the street. He controls people. He influences people. He draws people towards him by that simple act. But you know what? Because of you, she decides, I'm going to give my life to Christ. She decides, okay, I realize I'm doing this because I got to put food on the table. But guess what? God shows her a different way. God shows her another way. God says with me, you can still create the same revenue, if not more, but do it in a righteous way. But you know what happens? The devil don't like that because your vision is getting that girl off the street. Your vision is giving her self-esteem. Your vision is correcting her hurts. Your vision is adjusting her pains. And you know what? He gets mad at that. But doggone it, in a life of a contender, that can happen. He retaliates. Why? Because you are having a substantive impact on his money, on his social influence, or his spiritual influence. Your God-given vision or your God-given assignment may prompt government officials and politicians and people of quote-unquote influence to come up with another alternative instead of locking up our young black boys in prison. Come up with another alternative instead of locking up our young Hispanic brothers in prison. Come up with another solution instead of just putting them into something that they call a correctional facility, which is not built for correction. When you do that, when you prompt the change that really wants to take people instead of just sticking them in a cell and do something good for them, you can expect the devil to retaliate. Why? Because there's money in prison. There's money in putting that boy in a cell. There's money in putting our sisters in a cell, too. There's influence in keeping those people suppressed. There's spiritual influence, social influence. How are you going to put somebody in something and call it a correctional facility and don't do nothing to correct them? Don't do nothing to restore them and then put them out on the street, not giving them a vocation, not giving them a place to be. Every place they go, they say, I can't hire you because you've been in prison. What do you expect them to do? They got to eat. They got to feed their family. They got to supply themselves with something. They go back to what they used to. They go back to what they go back into the hands of the devil because the devil has open arms for them. You're not going to tell me it's a correctional facility. What it is, is prison for profit. And the devil don't like it when your vision prompts government officials and other people to try to do something else besides just locking our boys up in jail, locking our girls up in jail. And they don't care what age it is. They'll start them off young. They just want to keep them in the system. Somebody's getting rich off of it. Mm 
And when you do what God called you to do as a contender and you actually begin to make a change in that, you can expect the devil to retaliate. You can expect him to get mad. Why? Because you're messing with his stuff. When we look at this, it is no doubt that Paul and Silas's day has gotten worse. These contenders, I would say, are having a pretty bad day. Let's see how bad their day is. Well, go back to the previous one, please, ma'am. Let's go back to this. They say, well, they've roughed them up. They've been dragged. They've been arrested. They've been pulled. They've been accused, by the way, falsely. They've been beaten black and blue. They've been thrown. They've been clamped. My goodness, I would say that they have experienced quite a bit in a short period of time. When you look at this, as you go through your day as a contender, the tide can change on you quickly. I don't know about you. Loved ones, have you ever had a day where it feels like the world has roughed you up, has dragged you, has arrested you, has pulled on you, has accused you, has beat you black and blue, has, has tried to lock you up in some cell or put a clamp on you? I know I have. These boys are experiencing a severe whooping, a severely bad day. And I have myself experienced what felt to me like a severely bad day. A day where I feel as if the world has beaten me black and blue. I mean, a type of day where you've, you've, you've had a bad day before. But when you look back on the day that you having right now, you have to say to yourself, you know what? I've been lied on before, but this is a whole new level. I've been lied to before, but this right here, mm-mm. This is a whole new level. I've been backstabbed before, but my God, this is a whole new level. I have been disappointed before, but this right here, this level of disappointment, this is a whole nother level. I've been mistreated before, but I don't know if nobody else know it, but this right here, this is a whole nother level. I have been hurt before, but this kind of hurt, it's a whole nother level. I've had my heart broken before, Whatever this just come crap past my way, this is a whole nother level of heartbreak right here. Unhappy and unpleasant days, they can happen in the life of a contender. Some people wrongly assume that as a contender, as a believer, as a person in the faith, that what that means is that equates to a day that excludes any kind of tears. That is not the case. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite of tr is true. As a believer, as a contender, you can have days that bring you a lot of tears. Just because you are on team God, it doesn't mean that everything is butterflies, roses, lollipops, and balloons. You know, everybody, believers and non-believers, have such days where they're just bad days. The difference is a contender never loses fact, never loses their conviction, never lose the thought in their mind, the belief in their heart that no matter how bad this day is, God is still there.
They never lose that. But here they are. Bad day. Go to the next one. But their bad day, quite frankly, aligns with what Jesus says. In John, Amplified Classic, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have, tribula you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. The voice translation ends this way, but you need not fear. I have triumphed over this corrupt world order. Yeah, you can have bad days as a contender. But as a contender, one thing that separates you from all other people. Is that you take peace and comfort in knowing that your God is still there. Go to my next one, please. So them boys locked up right now. It says, along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. Couldn't believe their contender. No matter what your day is like, especially when your day is sour, you still give prayer and sing praises to God. That's what a contender does in the midst of their day. One thing that's really observable that I like, it says the prisoners couldn't believe their ears. When you're going about your day doing your contending, I want you to know that others are watching. I want you to know that others are listening. This says that they couldn't believe their ears. I'm going to say it this way. They were amazed. How can somebody that's been roughed up, that's been dragged, that's been beaten, that's been arrested, that's been beaten black and blue. How can they still be praying to their God? How can they still be giving praises to their God? This kind of thing amazes me from the outside looking in. As a contender, walking through your day, when people see your response to stuff, they should be amazed. Now, you know that, that if I stop that statement there, they should be amazed. That, that's incomplete. What, what do I mean? Well, let's, let's, I'm not talking about no mom, nobody mama in particular, but let's talk about your mama cooking. Okay? If I say your mama's cooking is something else, what have I said thus far? Nothing. Because your mama cooking is something else could be the best thing I ever tasted, or it could be something else. The worst mess I've ever put in my mouth. You see, it's not, it's not specific enough. You need more details. It's like when somebody who keep going around, and I'm not talking about nobody, just make this clear, I'm not talking about nobody, but it's going to make the point. When somebody keep going around at the family picnic with their little baby carriage trying to show you their baby, and they want you to say their baby cute. And your auntie say, oh, look at his little shoes. Oh, look at his little hands. Oh, look at his smile. What they trying to do is dip and dodge the issue. Now, we all know babies go through changes. You can grow up to be the most handsome, most beautiful thing. But at this moment, what auntie is saying is, I'm not, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to put myself out there. What I'm going to say is what I can stand by. And that is, oh, I love the color of his pants. 
I'm telling you what they're saying is they couldn't believe their their ears. What I'm saying is they're saying that this is amazing, but I don't want to stop you there. Because as a contender, how are people amazed? Contender, as you go about your day, a person can be amazed that in looking at everything you're going through and knowing all the hardships that you're having to endure, endure, they can be amazed that you are still praying and giving praise to your God. That's one category. They could also be amazed at knowing that you proclaim to be Christian, you proclaim to be amazed, a, 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 a man or woman of God, and they are amazed by how quickly you step away from your faith when things get rough. But you are a contender. The latter doesn't apply to you. As a contender, no matter the situation or circumstance, no matter how bad the day, you give prayer to your God and you sing praises to your God. The badder the day, the deeper your prayer. The badder, your, the, badder the day, the louder your praise. The badder the circumstance, the deeper your prayer. The badder the circumstance, the greater your praise. The worse the situation, the more impossible the situation, the more critical the situation, doggone it, the deeper your prayer. You know what they say, devil, the more you come at me, the only thing you've done is force me further down to my knees, not to my knees in submission, but to my knees to lift up prayer and praise to my God, because I know that he has the power to deliver me. He has never forsaken me. David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. My God didn't leave me before. He didn't leave Abraham and those people in the Old Testament. He's not going to leave me. Contender, as you go through your day, no matter what you look up and see yourself surrounded by, you still pray to your God and you still give him praise. That's a day in the life of a contender. Next one. Then without warning, a huge earthquake, earthquake, the jailhouse tottered every door. Flew, say every door. D-O-O-R. Let's talk about that quickly. Every door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, the jailers saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in. Figuring he was good as dead anyway, when Paul stopped him, he said, don't do that. We're all still here. Nobody, nobody run away. I want you to say something with me. Say this, family. Say, a door of escape, door of escape. was open. But Paul and Silas did not rush to go through. Why do I have you say that? Why is that D-O-O-R so important? As seasoned church folks, which I know a lot of you are, when things get rough in life or things are a way that we don't really care for, one of the things we do is we reach back in our back pocket or in our purse. You know, we got them scriptures that we can throw out there like we deal in cards when things happen that we're going to say, OK, we're going to stand on this thing right here. We say that and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. because I don't know if I can quote it exactly, but we say to the effect that my God would not allow me to be tempted above that which I can bear. But he will, with the temptation, make a way, a way of escape. That's right. Let this, that's right. A way of escape. Let me tell you, in a day in the life of a contender, every door that God opens is not for immediate entry or escape. Yes. 
Every door that God opens is not for you to run through right away. Every door God opens is not necessarily for you to escape. When God opens a door, realize that when that door initially is open, he still might be working on perfecting the blessing that's on the other side of that threshold. And if you elect because you're trying to escape, if you elect because, well, God opened the door, I must run through it right now. If you elect that you're going to go ahead and you're going to step through that door too soon while God is still working on the reward, you may find that you step through that door prematurely and spoil the reward that you had received. You would have received if you had patiently waited on his timing. Oh, yeah, these boys are in jail and the door is wide open. But guess what? Paul said, hey, man, don't kill yourself. Nobody's run away. Go to the next one. Because I want to share something else with you. I want you to say this word with me. Say vantage point. Now, let's read this. Then the the jailer got a torch and ran inside, badly shaken. He collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? Really? To really live. This is the jailer, the person who had locked them up. Oh, hold on to that. They said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you will live as you were meant to live and everyone in your household included. They went on to spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part. They never did get to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds. Then he couldn't wait till till morning, till morning, was baptized. He and everyone in his family there in his home, he had food set out for a festive meal. It was a night to remember He and his entire family put their trust in God. Everyone in his house was in on the celebration. At this particular time, from this vantage point, Paul and Silas can start to see some benefit of the pain they went through. From this vantage point, Paul can now realize he did several things here in the life of this jailer. Number one, because he didn't run away, he saved the jailer's life because he was going to kill himself. (coughs) Number two, he saved the family anguish because if the jailer kills himself, now they missed a loved one. Number three, whole family salvation. In the day of in the life of a contender. No matter how sour your day, no matter how bad your day, no matter how much the trouble, if you are able to look back and see that God has gotten the glory or that the kingdom is better off or that someone has said yes to Jesus, you need to know that from a kingdom perspective, you are having a good day. These boys have been through. But as the tide continues to turn, they begin to see from a different vantage point a lot of benefits that have come out of what they would consider their bad day. I want us to take a moment, though, and I want us to focus on one particular verse in all of this collection. Give me my next image, please. Verse 33, they never did get to bed that night. The part in focus is the one highlighted there. The jailer, say jailer, the jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds. Loved ones, 
as a contender, no matter how things are going, it's very important that you stick with God's plan. It's very important that you stay with God's timing. It's very important that you don't prematurely trying to f- try to find a way of escape. It's very important that you let God and patience have their perfect work. Why? Notice the text. It is so important that you are not quick to throw people away. Because loved ones, when God is working, what you may find is that when God gets done, the very people that meant to do you bad might be the very people that turn around and do you good. You might find that the very ones that hurt you will be the ones that heal you. The very ones that wanted you separate from them are the ones that now want you close. The very ones that wanted to push you down are now the very ones that want to lift you up. The very ones that wanted to curse you are the very ones that wanted to, that now want to bless you. This jailer are the, is, is part of the group that was the result of these boys' bad day. Put clamps on them. Shackle them. But all of a sudden, because those contenders stayed on the path that God had for them, guess what? The very person that meant bad for them, or at least was part of it, now wants to do them good and make them happy. Go forward. At daybreak, the court judges sent officers with instructions, released these men. The jailer gave Paul the message. The judges, the judges sent, sent word that you're free to go your way. Congratulations. Go in peace. huh? But Paul wouldn't budge. He told the officers they beat us up in public and threw us in jail. Roman citizens in good standing. And now they want to get us out of the way on the sly without anyone knowing, nothing doing. If they want us out of here, let them come themselves and lead us out in broad daylight. When the officers reported this, the judges panicked. They had no idea that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They hurried over and apologized, personally escorted them from the jail, and then asked them if they wouldn't please leave the city. The issue here is that by condemning and doing these things to a Roman citizen, these folks are now in bad, bad, big trouble. It says that they said, you can go, but Paul wouldn't. Paul is taking the position that I know my real citizenship. I know what I have a right to. And I know the rights that you've broken. I'm going to sit here and make you apologize the right way. As a contender going about his or her day, you need to realize that sometimes when you got the devil in a chokehold, when you got your foot on his neck, when he knows that you're getting ready to defeat him and put him under, he will offer you a tip. He will offer you a concession other than the full payment you got due. As a contender, we don't take the devil's tip when we know full payment is due. 
we know who's and who we are. We know what we have a right to as a child of the most high God. We are a child of the king. We know that we have a right to life and abundant life. We have a right to prosper. We have a right to good health. We know what we have a right to. And doggone it, once we have done our thing and the devil knows that he's getting ready to lose, we don't want a tip. We don't want just part of our family back. We want it all. I don't want just part of my money back. I want it all. I don't want just one part of me healthy. I want it all. I don't want just one part of my vision working right. I want it all. I don't want just one part of my assignment clicking like it's supposed to. I want it all working well. You're not going to offer me no tip. I'm not taking my foot off your neck. I'm going to break it until you give me payback for everything I got due to me. Why? Because I know that I am a citizen in good standing. Paul says, I do not accept your small concession as a contender going about your day. You don't take the devil's tip. Now, I'll take full payment with a tip, but I never take it in place of my full payment. That's just what contenders do. Final image, please. And we've made it through the chapter. It reads, walking out of the jail, Paul and Silas went straight to Lydia's house, saw their friends again. Ah, the days once again looking up. Encouraged them in the faith. And only then went on their way. As a contender, the tides of your day can change. You can have a good day starting as you wake up, look up in the sun and see it shining, only to reach about 11 a.m. and see a little clouds and a little, a little misty rain starting to, starting, to, starting to come through there. And then you go through the storm and guess what? It's sunny again, but it's a cycle. And it's nothing that I'm confessing on anyone. It's just it's just the truth. Jesus says that things will happen. Contender, though. As things happen. You do not lose your stance. You stay firmly rooted Paul and Silas now are on their way to whatever the next assignment or the next mission is. For the contender. I want you to say this last thing with me. Say, although, although times, can be painful, times can be painful, at the end of it all, if I can look back on how I contended, for the, faith, for the faith, and see God results, see God results. Those, results those results can make me smile. Make me smile. That is a snapshot of a day in the life of a contender. Just realize that in no, matter, no matter what comes your way, as a contender, your God is still there. So act like you know it. I love you so much. We'll chat more about this later. Let's pray. God, I thank you that all of us contenders have a conviction that we are going to do our part to ensure the faith that has been entrusted to us continues to flourish and move forward. We understand days come that, well, quite frankly, don't feel so good. We also want you to know that 
Sometimes, even though inside we may get a little fearful, we may get a little concerned, that we are going to press ourselves to be disciples of the faith such that we don't waver off the mark, that we hold firm to the belief that in all that we see happening around us and to us, you've never left us nor forsaken us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.